Physicians administering rotavirus vaccines to infants now have the choice of two distinct immunizations. How do the two vaccines differ? How effective are these immunizations in preventing rotavirus gastroenteritis infections? And how can we decide what to offer our patients? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special series focused on children's health. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Harry Kaiserling, professor of pediatrics in the Division of Infectious Diseases at Emory University School of Medicine. Dr. Kaiserling is also a liaison representative to the Department of Health and Human Services Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. Welcome, Dr. Kaiserling. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. We're discussing rotavirus vaccines today, but first, can you tell us how significant rotavirus infection is in children? Rotavirus is the most common winter diarrhea, and from an international perspective, it's quite serious because acute gastroenteritis leads to dehydration and actually can lead to death. In contrast to the developing countries in the United States and and other Western countries, Rotavirus is a very common infection, but it's not a deadly infection. It's a universal infection. There are several different serotypes. So as we age, after we've had a primary infection, the symptoms become less and less with subsequent infections. And actually, that was a motivation to develop an attenuated live vaccine. If we sort of look at the the disease burden we see that probably there is a direct cost of $1 billion per year in the United States. As I mentioned before, practically everyone is infected by age five. There are around 60 to 70,000 hospitalizations, and it's a frequent cause of a visit to a primary care physician. Are there certain groups at higher risk than others? You mentioned under age five, but is that pretty much consistent through the, the five years? Well, there are certain groups that tend to have more severe disease. Premature infants are a high-risk group. Individuals who are immune deficient, as with many other infections, develop more severe disease. The peak hospitalization ages are two weeks to six months of age. Actually, it's very interesting that in the early neonatal period, rotavirus does not cause significant clinical illness. Is there a reason why we don't just vaccinate the premature infants or if there's a seasonality to the illness, is there a reason why we vaccinate year-round? Well, we vaccinate year-round to make sure everyone is is up to date. And this is one of the vaccines where we actually do target premature infants with the caveat that we don't immunize infants in the hospital, in the nursery. We either give them vaccines as they're going home or immunize them as an outpatient. Is the reason for that because it's a live vaccine? Yes, and there are some differences between the two vaccines, but that's the primary reason, as was the case with the live polio vaccine. We discouraged immunization in the hospital. How common is rotavirus infection in the hospital? Rotavirus was first described in the early 70s in Australia by Bishop, and he actually identified the infection in newborns or at least identified the virus in newborns because, as I mentioned before, either because of transplacental antibodies or lack of trypsin production by the early newborn period, even though you get viral shedding of rotavirus in the first few weeks of life, it doesn't seem to cause clinical illness. 
Okay. Now, since in the United States, the death rate from rotavirus is so much lower than in developing countries, why is there need a need for a rotavirus vaccine in this country? It's a ubiquitous infection. It causes many visits to primary care physicians. It does cause 50 to 70,000 hospitalizations. So there's an economic burden. There's certainly the risk of uh, nosocomial infections in the hospital. It's estimated there are probably only 20 to 50 deaths per year in the United States. But to keep things in perspective, there were estimated to be 100 deaths due to chickenpox prior to licensure of the chickenpox vaccine. So I view this very similar to the chickenpox vaccine in the sense that everybody got chickenpox. Everyone gets rotavirus infection. So the main disease burden is self-limited, relatively mild disease, but there's certainly the risk of more severe disease requiring hospitalization and rarely death. If you've just joined us, you're listening to a special series focused on children's health on ReachMD XM 157. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu. Our guest is Dr. Harry Kaiserling, professor of pediatrics in the Division of Infectious Diseases at Emory University School of Medicine and a liaison representative to the Department of Health and Human Services Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. We're discussing rotavirus vaccines. The new live oral rotavirus vaccine, with a trade name Rotorix, has recently been approved by the FDA. Can you tell us where this vaccine has been tested so far? There have been several large international studies, one that was primarily in South Africa. The studies involved uh, approximately 60,000 children, as was the case with the Merck vaccine. We actually have two rotavirus vaccines currently licensed. The Merck vaccine was licensed in February of 06, and the GlaxoSmithKline Rotorix vaccine was licensed April this year. The two main differences with the vaccines are that the rotavirus vaccine is an attenuated human strain, and the Rototech vaccine is a bovine strain that has been molecularly changed to include human serotypes. Other differences are that Rotorix is given as a two-dose series at two and four months compared to Rototech, which is given in a three-dose series at two, four, and six months. If we look at the field studies looking at efficacy, they're quite similar. Rototech had a 98% protection rate against severe gastroenteritis compared to Rotorix, 85%. Hospitalization, 95% for Rototech and Rototech and 85% for Rotorix. And I might point out that it's really difficult to compare these efficacy rates in one field trial versus the other because there were totally different population groups and different criteria we used for degree of disease. Are there differences in the serotypes that are covered by each of the vaccines? Well, the Rotorix vaccine is a monovalent attenuated human strain. And the thought is that you get an initial infection as with natural rotavirus infection, which provides cross-protection against other serotypes. The Rototech vaccine does contain four particular serotypes, but it it appears that, at least in the field trials that weren't head-to-head competition, that both vaccines, both approaches seem to work very well.
What about children who start one vaccine series and for some reason need to switch to the other product? We make the recommendation generally that it's preferred to use the same product for a completion of a series. But if you don't know what the prior vaccine was or for, for whatever reason the prior vaccine isn't available, the recommendation would be if you exclusively use Rotorix, you only give two vaccines. If any vaccine is Rotatech, then three vaccines need to be administered, which is a similar approach that we use with hip vaccine. And what about coverage by the Federal Vaccines for Children program or by insurance companies for either of the vaccines? The last ACIP meeting, a vote was made to make the vaccine available on the Vaccine for Children's program. So it should be covered both by Medicaid and private insurance companies. And what about adverse effects or intussusception risk? In 1999, a, a similar vaccine, the RotaShield, was removed from the market due to increased rates of intussusception. What about these two current vaccines? Well, that was certainly a concern with future rotavirus vaccine development. Both companies designed very large trials, approximately 60,000 subjects, half got vaccine, half got placebo. There was no increase in intussusception in the clinical trials. And even though Rotatech was only recently licensed in the United States, it's been available in many other countries. We have significant post-licensure experience with both vaccines. None of the data shows any risk of intussusception. Is there continued monitoring for intussusception cases? We have two vaccine safety systems in the United States. One is Vaccine Data Safety Link, which looks at several HMOs and electronic medical records to determine consequences of giving immunization, actually any adverse event that you might speculate. So that's being continually monitored. The other systems are passive system VAERS so that if any physician or, in fact, if any parent wants to report a potential adverse event related to a vaccine, they can either do it online or send a form into the the government. This is a system that's run by the FDA and CDC. Are there any known contraindications to either of the rotavirus vaccines? And what about caregivers who are immunocompromised who may be changing an infant's diaper? One minor issue, Rotorix contains latex so that if someone has a latex allergy, the Rotorix vaccine would be contraindicated. We would not recommend vaccinating severely immunocompromised patients, such as uh, individuals with severe combined immunodeficiency or stem cell transplants. But as I mentioned before, premature infants, as long as they're chronologically the correct age, can be immunized if they're not in hospital, and HIV-infected children can be immunized. So for the most part, there are no restrictions based on immune deficiency. Now, in the season 2007 to 2008, the rotavirus season tended to be a little bit shorter and later. In addition, there seemed to be a significant decrease in the number of cases. Can you explain why that might be? Well, one certainly thinks it might be related to the vaccine. Our last season was definitely a surprise. Before the last season, the median start was mid-November, the peak was in mid-March, and the end was in mid-June. This last season, everything was pushed back by eight weeks or so. So we had a very late season, 
and we had a very light season. There were certain sentinel networks that reviewed admissions for rotavirus to hospitals, and there was a, a dramatic decrease this year compared to prior years. And this is when uptake of the, in this case, only Rototech vaccine was available. Data indicated that maybe 56% of infants had received one dose last year, and that about a third had received three doses. So it appears we may be having both direct and indirect a herd immunity effect of the universal rotavirus immunization program. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Harry Kaiserling. We've been discussing rotavirus vaccines. I'm Dr. Jennifer Shu. You've been listening to a special series focused on children's health on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM-157, and thank you for listening.